The reading this morning is from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 to 13. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies that will cease, there, will be, there are tongues that will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Raki. Uh, good morning, everyone, and good morning to you online. Actually, uh, I will just say, you online missed a real treat a moment ago during that last song because Fiona, uh, uh, sorry, Victoria was playing air guitar at the front of the church. I never thought I'd see it, but I just have. Uh, and just in case, in case you're wondering, I did not join her in doing that. Right, um, let's pray, shall we? Father, we pray that you would send your Holy Spirit to transform us so that we would each love you with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our mind, and love our neighbours as ourselves. Amen. You may doubt whether I'm going to have anything new to say on the subject of love this morning. Well, unfortunately, I can confirm that you're right to have those doubts. Uh, What can be said about love that hasn't already been said many times? Nothing, I suspect. But, but the fact that something has been said many times doesn't mean that we've absorbed it, does it? And particularly in relation to love, it is worth going back to the Bible from time to time and making sure what we understand what it says and are in fact applying it in our lives. Because as I'm sure you've noticed, the Bible stresses the importance of, of love time and again. In fact, Jesus said that it is the distinguishing mark of his disciples. This is John 13, 35. By this everyone will know you are my disciples if you love one another. 
And one of those disciples, the Apostle John, said that anyone who claims to be in the light but hates his brother or sister is still in darkness. And all of the apostles urged us, indeed demanded, time and again, that we should love one another. Just before introducing that great passage of love, uh, Paul says that he will show us the most excellent way. That's what he calls the way of love. And he says that it's far more important than all the great gifts of the Spirit that he has been talking about previously and indeed will talk about again that we may exhibit all of those gifts. We may do extraordinary things. But if we don't love one another, we are nothing. You see, those gifts are merely means to an end. They are tools to achieve a goal. But love is the goal. You will doubtless have noted that in our passage today, after Paul had explained the limitations of the gifts of the Spirit, he says, now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. You you may find it surprising that he says that when you first read it. Uh, How can love be greater than faith? After all, doesn't Paul stress time and again that faith is absolutely essential for for us? That that without faith we are simply not one of God's children? We will not even enter the kingdom of, of, of God? Well, yes, he does, and it is crucial. But, but two things need to be remembered. First of all, true faith will manifest itself in love. Uh, Paul talks about faith expressing itself in love. That's Galatians chapter 5, verse 6. And if someone claims to have faith but doesn't exhibit love then we may legitimately doubt whether they have true faith or whether their faith is in fact dead. And then secondly, just think for a moment about the situation that will exist when God's salvation is complete, when the new heaven and new earth have come. What will have happened to faith, hope and love then? Will faith still be important Well, not in the sense of trusting in Jesus for our salvation, because such forward-looking faith will have been replaced by the enjoyment of the present reality of salvation. Will hope still exist? Well, no. It will have been replaced by the thing hoped for. But will love still exist. Yes, it certainly will. In fact, it will be rather more in evidence than it is today. The new heaven and new earth will perfectly exhibit love. And that's why Paul says that of the things he's been speaking of, love is the greatest. So we need to emphasize the importance of love 
But what is it? What is love? You may think that's a pretty silly question. You may even be a bit frustrated that I'm asking it. You may think that we all know what love is. But do we? I I think not. You see, love's one of those words like justice or fairness. We're all in favour of it, aren't we? But people use those words and use love in different ways. When somebody speaks about love, what they mean by it and what we understand them to mean, or what we mean, may be two different things. And so when we read what the Bible says about love, we may need to make sure that we understand what the Bible means by it. So, what does the Bible have to say about it? Well, obviously a huge amount. Uh, In our passage today, Paul uh, refers to no less than 16 characteristics of love. And of course, I haven't got time in this sermon to go through each of those, and they're certainly not exhaustive. But what I am going to do is mention four uh, significant matters which will, I think, help us to understand what the Bible is saying and indeed to put it into practice. So four things. Point one. If we want to know what love is, then we need to consider what God is like And in particular, think about how Jesus behaved. You see, the Apostle John tells us that God is love. God is the perfect manifestation of love. And you'll probably recall that when talking to his disciples, Jesus said that whoever has seen him has seen the Father, has seen God the Father. So if we want to know what love is like, we need to match it up to Jesus. And the best way of doing that is regularly to read what Jesus said and did, to read what is said about him in the New Testament. Oh, and incidentally, when we do that, we need to make sure we don't just focus on those things which match our preconception of what love is. We won't learn that way. You see, Jesus wasn't loving on some occasions and not loving on other occasions. Jesus was God incarnate, love incarnate. Love was manifested in all that he said and did. And so we need to make sure that our concept of love embraces all that he said and did. That's the first and and most important point. And the second point flows from it. Love is self-giving. John uh, says this in his first uh, epistle. This is 1 John 3.16. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. We've just sung about that, haven't we? That's what that song we've just been singing, where, Fiona, where Victoria was playing the air guitar, what was all about. This is how we know what love is. And then he goes on, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. 
That is what we need to do. The perfect expression of love is seen in Jesus on the cross. And we are called upon to imitate Jesus's self-giving. And of course, that implies a number of things that love is not. Hannah highlighted them on the screen earlier in the service. Specifically, Paul says that love uh, is, uh, does not envy. Does, it does not boast. It is not proud. It doesn't dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. All of those things are completely inconsistent with being self-giving, aren't they? And we need to avoid them. We must make sure we do not do those things. But, but, but there are other things that love is not. In particular, love is not merely a matter of feelings. Now, I need to be careful. Of course, love normally is accompanied by feelings. But if you consider the example of Jesus, it'll become clear that love is self-giving concern for others manifesting itself in action. And love also isn't a matter of words. Uh, John again says, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions. Again, we need to be careful. Sometimes what is needed to love someone is words. Words of comfort, words of support, words of encouragement, words of advice. But looking at the big picture, love isn't ultimately about words it's about what we do. And we need to be really careful that we don't confuse love with a feeling or, or, or words, or indeed both. As Christ showed, shows us, love involves self-giving. Point three. Love is founded in God's truth. Did you notice that in verse 6, Paul says, love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth? And the Apostle John says something similar. A moment ago, I quoted what he said about words, but I didn't completely quote it. I didn't finish it. What he actually says is, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. You see, Love is not subjective. It's not about what I feel is loving or what I feel is right. Love is the practical application of God's objective truth. And that's why love never involves us doing anything contrary to God's revealed will. We thought about this briefly in the good old days, before the lockdown, in other words. Um, do, you, do you remember uh, that Jesus was asked what the most important commandment was? And he famously responded as follows. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. That's well known. It's, it's clear. But there is a danger. 
And the danger is that we won't pay close attention to all that Jesus said. That we will imagine he said something like this. Love God, love your neighbour, and you don't need to worry about all the other commands. Oh, and I leave you to define what love means. But he didn't say that, did he? Now you see, what Jesus was doing was explaining that love is what links all those specific commandments together. So we are called upon to act in love, even where there is no specific command covering our situation. And as we seek to work out the other specific commands of God, we need to do so bearing in mind that they are examples of what love requires. Uh, In his letter to the Romans uh, in chapter 13, Paul basically repeated Jesus's teaching on love. This is Romans 13, 9. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and whatever other command there may be, are summed up in this one command, love your neighbour as yourself. But reflecting Jesus's teaching, Paul didn't stop there. He went on, this is a few verses further on, the night is nearly over, the day is almost here, so let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armour of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. You see, love does not override the law. Rather, it requires that we apply it, and specifically apply it in our relations with other people. It is never loving to teach someone to go against God's commands. And that's why love is not indulgent. Paul does not say love ignores all things, Uh, love tolerates all things, Or even, love is never angry. Jesus didn't uh, ignore all things. He didn't overlook them. Think about what he said to the woman at the well. Jesus didn't tolerate all things, and he was on occasions angry. Think about him cleansing the temple. No, love is not indulgent. In fact, being indulgent can be unloving. But we do need to remember a a, a point which just gently balances that. Because as Paul says here, love is also patient, love is kind, and love is not easily angered. Okay, fourth and final point. Love is not naive but it looks to the future. When we think of a a loving person, there is a danger we think of someone who is a teensy-weensy bit unworldly, someone who it's easy to take advantage of. But Jesus wasn't like that, was he? No, he was 
hugely realistic. Uh, think about it. He knew and told people about their own duplicity. He, he knew that a number of the people who followed him were doing so because of his miracles, and they weren't true disciples. And he told them, take a look at John 6.25, if you doubt that. And we're told that Jesus did not entrust himself to people because he knew what was in their hearts. That's John 2.24. Now, Jesus was realistic. Paul says that love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Now, Paul isn't saying there that we should cast out Jesus's realism. No, what he's saying is that love puts the past behind us and presses on to the future. The most fundamental thing he says on this is back in verse 5. Love keeps no record of wrongs. That doesn't say love ignores wrongs. That itself may be unloving, as we've just, uh, just seen. But what love doesn't do is keep a score. Love doesn't live with the wrongs in the past and prevent people from moving on. And Paul says, love always protects. Um, That's normally translated, love bears all things. Love does not allow uh, bad experiences to get it down. Bad experiences in dealing with, with people, perhaps. Why? Because love trusts. Love trusts that God is at work. And love, therefore, hopes. And, and that's why, ultimately, Paul says, love always perseveres. And love never fails. So those are the four points. Number one, to know what love is, we need to look at Jesus. And we need to look at all that he said and did. Number two, love is self-giving. It's a matter of action, not merely feelings or words. Number three, love is founded in truth and it is not indulgent. Number four, love is not naive, but it is forward-looking. So, what are we going to do about it? How should we respond to that? Well, I have one very specific suggestion to make, and it's this. I suggest that over the course of the next week, all of us sit down quietly, alone, and read through 1 Corinthians 13 slowly. That's the passage we've just had. And by the way, I include myself in this. As I thought of this application, I felt hugely convicted because I need to do this as much as anyone else needs to do it. So I suggest you do that. And in particular, focus individually on the 16 characteristics of love that Paul gives. And as you look at those, ask two questions. First, 
How is this reflected in Jesus? And then second, how is this reflected in me? And then, pray that the Holy Spirit would enable you to tackle the issues that you discover when you do that. And I rather suspect that all of us will discover issues that we do need to tackle. Things where we're not loving, we're not exhibiting love. And and that last point is tremendously important. As we heard last week when we looked at Galatians chapter 5, love is part of the fruit of the Spirit. It is the result of God's Holy Spirit working within us to transform us. So in order to exhibit love, we need to turn to God and seek his transformation. So let's do that, shall we? Amen.